What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the From Downtown Podcast. I'm your host, Dahani Joseph, and today we are here, May 26th, the off day in between games five and six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Boston slowly rising from the dead. They're not fully back yet, but they're on their way, winning the last two games, bringing this series 3-2, looking to make it a 3-3 series, headed back to Boston for a game seven. Today, I brought my friend Sam Pullman, Division three basketball player, point guard, met him at Beacon High School, and he knows his hoops, also Miami Heat fan, so I thought, why not bring him on the podcast to talk some basketball? Now, the audio was a little choppy because he was on the road, but we had to get him on. We've been trying to get this for since before the series even started, so we had to get him on, and I'm happy we did. Got to talk some hoops, got to talk about the series before even the Eastern Conference Finals started what Miami was doing this postseason all the way up until now. They're down 3-2. Also talked about the Denver Nuggets, Lakers series, LeBron and his impending retirement, quote-unquote. Is he really retiring? What What is he actually going to do? We talked about that. A little shorter of an episode than we usually do here on the From Downtown Podcast, but nonetheless, I have to get one out for you guys. And without any further ado, cue that music. guys today is friday may 26th one of the off days between the eastern conference finals games i thought this series would be over by now clearly that is not the case and uh miami shocking the world going up three games to zero on the boston celtics who in my eyes i had them going down miami going down in five games that was my prediction miami go down five games and they surprised everyone going up 3-0 but now Going into game six, going back to Miami, today we are joined by a good friend of mine from high school, Beacon High School, Sam Pullman, and a Miami Heat fan. I'm very curious to know, Sam, did you expect Miami, first of all, just beating Milwaukee, let's start off with that. After the season that Miami had, um, I'll give you guys some perspective here real quick, Miami this season, one of the worst offenses, actually the worst offense in the NBA, points per game wise, 30th at 109.5, rebounding 27th, assists per game 25th. Their defense was solid, second in the league, but offensively, when you talk about them being last, you don't think that could really hold up in the in the playoffs when you're talking about a team like Milwaukee, who was in a championship round not too long ago. Sam, what what do you think about them be, beating Milwaukee and then beating the Knicks? And then now, you know, well, let's just start, go up to the point where they were up 3-0 on Boston. Yeah, man. So, I mean, so I'm I'm probably the only Heat fan really in either one of our like relatively bigger, smaller circles uh, because we're in New York. I mean, since I was six years old, before LeBron got there, they were my favorite team, and I've stuck with them ever since. And obviously, like you got to be realistic. And I thought because of the season we had last year, being one shot away 
for making it to the finals. I thought, and I was saying the entire year, no matter how we were doing, Jimmy was hurt for a while. Uh, Bam missed some time. Kyle Larry missed some time. The whole year, I kept saying, like, like come to the playoffs, like, it's going to be the same team. So everyone the entire year was going, and everyone was like, but well, what is that fourth team? And like, could be the Knicks, the Cavs? Obviously not. Like, I, I really thought that that, uh, that playoff pedigree that they had over the last four years, really, would carry over. And I, I had them, had them going seven with the Bucks. That was extremely surprising for me. And I actually had the Bucks winning that series, but mm. I had the Heat beating the Knicks in five, and I had the Heat beating the Celtics in six. Uh, so, I when they went up three zero, I was. I was, I wasn't. I was actually very surprised with how he won Game Two. Grant um, Williams really poked the bear. That's kind of. There's definitely going to be a documentary uh, about that game. That's one of the coldest moments ever. Uh, but yeah, I st- I still think it'll go six. Um, could go seven, but I don't think home uh, home court advantage is a factor. Really. So yeah. So when I first saw this matchup. Before the playoffs even started, I was like, okay, the one team I do not want to see in the playoffs as a Celtics fan is the Miami Heat. Milwaukee, I understand they have Chris Middleton back, although they weren't, he wasn't 100%. I understood that was a formidable challenge. Philadelphia, I didn't really fear them. Even though it eventually did go seven, I never feared them. Boston just has the pedigree and history um, to beat um, Philadelphia. Shout out to Joel Embiid, nothing but respect for him. Um, you know, the Knicks, that would have been a good series, too, because they're a scrappy team. Uh, they have some good players, but it was always the Miami Heat. I was like, man, Jimmy Butler is that dude. I, I think he's proved that once again. You have Kyle Lowry, who's a champion personified. Um, you have Bam Adebayo. You have the guys that have been, you know, people have been talking about the undrafted dudes, like a Gabe Vincent. Uh, I'm I'm missing a name because they're undrafted, right? But these guys, Duncan Robinson, these guys are really tough players, and they are all just hungry, hungry guys who want to show that they are more than their draft position, which they, they didn't get drafted. So you don't really think much of them. You think, okay, they may, they might have one or two good years in the league, but what they're doing now, first of all, they are getting paid whenever they're off, whenever their contracts are due. When at that time, they are getting paid, whether it be Miami or another team. That is factual. It's as simple as that. You have to take into consideration yeah. as well um, the, the coaching, Eric Spolstra, um, Pat Riley, that whole coaching tree, Karan Butler on the assistant staff. Like, they just know how to win. They've been in so many playoff series, going back to the days with LeBron and the Heat, um, even before that, I'm sure. These guys are just bona fide winners, and they know how to get it done, making adjustments from game to game. Maybe one of the best coaching staffs in the entire league. So. When I saw that Miami was going to go up against Boston, I was nervous. I, I definitely was nervous. But 3-0, Sam, I, I couldn't – I could not have ever imagined. I thought Boston would be up 3-0. That's not even just being a Celtics fan. That's being as a basketball analyst, someone who watches the games. I've seen Boston all year long offensively. They were always clicking versus Miami, who couldn't throw a rock in the ocean at times. Yeah, and you you really put that, that well, how – Everyone before, if someone were to say, "All right, after three games, the series is going to be 3 0 it's probably every, probably ninety nine point nine percent of people would say, "Okay, Boston's up three 0 But I think 
I think the, the biggest factor was like there's a weird kind of like leadership shift after the All-Star break when the Heat's offense actually picked up because prior to the All-Star break, it was one of the like, yes, worst worst offense in the league points per game was, but it was like even worse than that. Like it was there was a huge gap between them and everybody else. And then they had a great like much better uh much better shooting percentages from three from the field and just had overall more shooters in the lineup and uh Smolster kind of figured out the rotation a little bit more and then you had all these hungry dudes who wanted to who have something to prove who are playing better and who have uh, pedigree although it's not championship they got playoff dna you got dudes like kevin love kyle lowry donis has coaching up undrafted players like uh Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, uh, Haywood Highsmith, and all these dudes are just hungry. But the biggest thing, in my opinion, has been the absence of Tyler Hero. And yes. I've talked about this with a number of my teammates, a number of my friends. When Tyler Hero went down, I thought that was actually better for Miami hmm. because he take because the way that they play, if Jimmy is operating. If Jimmy's operating, whether it's in an isolation situation or he's creating for others, he's giving it to them. And these are guys with a purpose. Max Struess and Duncan Robinson shoot the ball with a purpose. Caleb Martin slashes with a purpose. Like they all do one thing and they're all great at it right now. And they're all just functioning like the cogs on the machine. Jimmy Butler swings it to Tyler Hero. You don't really know what he's going to do. Yeah, he can break somebody down. Yeah, he can create for someone else. And yeah, that versatility is good sometimes. But when you have such specific players, like straight shooters, straight defenders, straight just hustle guys like Kyle Lowry or Cody Zeller, you all really only need that one guy. So this reminds me a lot of that 2007 LeBron team. And I think as long as Tyler Hero doesn't come back, I think they're in a great spot. I think that 2007 LeBron team, pretty good analogy. You know, with this Miami Heat team, I was always in the mindset that they were just playing far above their expectations, far beyond their abilities. I got a stat for you right here, courtesy of Sat Muse. Miami Heat, Miami Heat three-point shooting in the regular season versus playoffs. Um, Duncan Robinson goes from 33 to 45%. Martin goes from 36 to 42. Gabe Vincent, 33-38. Kevin Love from 29 to 37. Strews, 35 to 37. Lowry, from 34 to 37 and in total percentage 27 to first so i was always of the mindset that this miami heat team they were always just playing above their expectations but they were eventually going to come down to earth and that's sort of the opposite of what happened with boston this year i think as the playoffs went on initially they were playing great but then they sort of stopped shooting the three as well as they did in the regular season they were always one of the top two, three teams in scoring alongside Golden State and Sacramento. So when you put those two things together, it it made a lot of sense that Miami ultimately went up 3-0. But after two games, game four and game five, now it's game six. Miami still up 3-2, but now I think the pressure is on Miami. Do you think, do you think that's the case? I, I would say... I would say it could be the case just because of how good they actually have been the last four years. However, that's not what people are paying attention to. Um, it's 
people are paying attention to the fact that they're an eight seed. They almost lost in the play-in. Tyler Hero's hurt, and Jimmy Butler is carrying a bunch of like well, undrafted guys. Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the league, so they've already done enough. Yeah, too much pressure. They got the they got the veteran leadership. Still, the pressures on Boston because you got a team there that needs to get a ring. If they don't get a ring, what are they gonna do? I thought Joe Mazzulla. He's obviously a great coach. I mean, four, four, four years ago, I played at Hoop um, Group basketball camps. Sean Mazzulla's baseline, he's the head coach. He's like a uh, camp game. Now he's the head coach of the boss and stuff. Like, he's wow. has, he has to have been that right. But you need a scapegoat. So, like that, if you look on the league, every single team that loses, the coach is gone or escape go and for Boston who's the scapegoat going to be Chandler Brown Marcus Smart I don't think so they have a really good court I think it'll be Joe Mazzulla and the three coaches in three years I don't really know how that's going to pan out for the franchise overall yeah just that note on the coaches being fired I hate that so much I hate the fact that coaches have so little room to work with now if they lose they're out I understand, okay, Doc Rivers, maybe I get because he has a pedigree of losing in the postseason. He's been there for a little bit. But a guy like Monty Williams, who's relatively new to the Phoenix organization, what's this, his third third season, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even second with Phoenix, and now he's gone. He's a great coach. Why change that? Yeah, they lost, but is it necessarily his fault? I don't, I don't think so. They just didn't have depth on that team to go up against the Denver Nuggets team who's in the finals right now. That's not Monty Williams' fault. If anything, that's the, the, the GM – that's the the all the people in that front office who put that team together. You can't blame Monty Williams for that. And then Nick Nurse, if you want to go in a new direction with Toronto, fine. I still think he's a great coach. Obviously, championship pedigree. He's been coaching those guys up, not down. They've been playing great in Toronto. Granted, they they weren't in the postseason like they wanted to be, but they still have relatively young stars like a guy like Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. They're relatively young. Give them some time. Let them grow with Nick Nurse. I never liked that. But your point about Joe Mazzulla, he may indeed be the scapegoat. A lot of people have talked about Jalen Brown. They want him to break up Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum forever. I hate that narrative so much. Not as a Celtics fan, as, as a basketball fan. I don't understand why you want to break up a 6'7 and a 6'9 wing who can do anything on both ends of the floor. You don't break that up. And it's a contract year. Um, I believe next year for Jalen Brown, I think the extension is coming up for this year where um, they're going to have to pay him. Um, That's going to be very interesting if they do end up losing. If they win, everything's kumbaya. Everybody's going to be celebrating and happy. But if they do lose, they're going to be really questioning who is that dude. Is it Jalen Brown? Is Jason Tatum? Why can't it be both? I don't know. But that's going to be the narrative on first take for the next three weeks after this. If Miami does beat Boston tomorrow night. You feel there, Sam? Losing you a little bit, Sam. Oh, hey, hey, now we got it back. So, sorry, I just, I just asked. I'm curious to see 
Um, where do you think Jalen Brown is going to end up if Celtics don't resign him? Hmm. If Jalen thoughts for him, I just off my head. Yeah. Yeah, it's cutting a little in and out for me. But uh, if Jalen Brown were to uh leave, I'm thinking there's a few places I can see him going. Atlanta, he's from that Georgia area, so going with the Hawks, you know, with Trey Young, they sort of need um that second star, and I think Jalen Brown honestly might be able to be the number one in Atlanta. You look at a team like the New York Knicks, they have a lot of assets to trade for Jalen Brown. You saw their depth in this postseason. Boston certainly has a lot of depth as well, but, you know, maybe you swing for the fences, maybe R.J. Barrett, a Josh Hart type, uh, maybe one more one more of their younger players and some picks for Jalen Brown. I think that would be a trade that would work out for both sides if this actually came down to trading him. Those are the two guys I'm thinking of. At the top of my head, I've seen some trade rumors floating around with him going to Portland, giving Damian oh. Lillard. Yeah, either, either for Damian Lillard, which I'm not sure if I like that. I like the other idea better where they would trade the fourth pick that Portland has alongside a guy like either Anthony Simons, a Shaden Sharp. Uh, you get maybe Jeremy Grant as well. And then you send Jalen Brown over there to rebuild alongside. If you keep Anthony Simons in Portland, Jalen Brown, Anthony Simons, that's the duo that you keep there. Along with Nurkic, everybody. Build that over there. Jalen Brown gets his own team. I like that idea. And and Boston, obviously, it's the fourth pick. And that could be a litany of guys, whether it be one of the Thompson twins. Um, You, you can go down in the draft. Anthony Black, there's a lot of guys I like at the draft at the guard position. Maybe you also shot Marcus Smart. See what you can get for him. Maybe retool this roster. Jason Tatum, clear number one guy. And then you just figure out that whole situation. There's a lot of ways Boston, that whole coaching coaching staff can go with that. Yeah, I actually really like that. And that actually sparks that idea that I think Marcus Smart would be a good scapegoat. I mean, there's he really kind of established the identity of that team. If the Celtics were to get a ring this year and kind of continue on that path, and it would seem somewhat like a dynasty, I could see Marcus Smart being like that Draymond Green type of Golden State player by the duo of Tatum and Brown. So I, I like that shopping Marcus, Marcus Smart would be, be a good idea. Yeah, I feel like Marcus Smart is that type of guy where if you have him on your team, you absolutely love him. If you don't, you hate him. But if you can get him, you also love him. And, you know, Smart, I'm I'm a fan of Smart. I think he's developed so much since his first year in Boston where it was sort of just defense and that's it. Now he can make shots at a consistent rate. He's their point guard. He's Boston's point guard. And he can play make. I think it was game one of this series where he had double-digit assists. He was just picking apart Miami's zone with his passing. So, you know, he's definitely improved. And I think he definitely has value in the NBA. You can swing him to a team that, you know, guards are kind of at a premium now, especially at the point guard. But maybe you can swing him to a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. That's a team who's always in need of a guard and defensive identity. The Lakers are one of the better teams in the postseason defensively. Why not, if they are looking for trade partners for Marcus Smart, we're just going off a tangent here, but, you know, just send him over there off the reeve as your de facto point guard and then 
figure out other ways to go with the Lakers. And on the topic of the Los Angeles Lakers, you know, they got swept by the Denver Nuggets. That was something that I did not see coming. I honestly anticipated a seven-game series just because Los Angeles had been playing so well. Los Angeles, a team that started off 2-10 and ten to, to now being in the Western Conference Finals. LeBron was injured, we found out later. I think it was a partially torn tendon in his left foot that don't require surgery. So he was playing hurt. Anthony Davis up and down in the postseason, but he had some solid performances as well. Austin Reeves was averaging, averaging close to 20 that series, but it just wasn't enough to beat the Denver Nuggets, who are now the odds-on favorite to win the entire thing. Did you see the sweep coming? So, I, I definitely was a little nervous once, like, once they lost those first two games, I was definitely nervous. I did not really think that it was going to be a sweep, though. Like, I mean, you're right. The Lakers have been playing great uh, lately. But D'Angelo Russell, you see, D'Angelo Russell is kind of like a go here. He had a disappointing second half of the season. Um, the Lakers really could have used a little bit more from him and their supporting cast. And basically, Jokic, Jokic proved why he's been the MVP for the last two years. I mean, I don't really think he cares at all about that award. Not at all. This year, not at all. And he could, there's going to be talks about uh, if the Nuggets win the championship, is he going to be crowned the best player in the world? Because KD fell, fell flat on his face. Giannis tripped over his feet. So I really think that uh, I really think that the one of the I think Jimmy, if this Heat team can win a championship, that would be the best, that would be the best win in NBA history, in my opinion. Hmm. The I think Jokic, clear cut number one. You can't really say anything more about him. South Twin, you, you can look up Jason Tatum's resume. He's 25 years old. Very few blood have anything that amounts to what he's already accomplished. So, back to the whole truth. In the world anymore. He just could have been there. LeBron could have been it. And they, they fold him. So, Yeah, I didn't catch everything you said, but I did hear the fact that you think that this will be the most, uh, I'm going to butcher your words a little bit, just most impressive ring that if Miami were to win this season, obviously as an eighth seed, that will probably be the most impressive I don't think the AC that ever won the championship. I'll have to double check. I think the Knicks, yeah, the Knicks were in the championship 99 against San Antonio, but San Antonio won. So it would be the first AC seed to win the entire thing. The lowest seed ever to win was Houston. I believe that was 95 on the Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, Henny Smith, that era yeah. of the Houston Rockets. That was the lowest seed to win. It will be an eighth seed. It will be an unheralded group of guys. Jimmy Butler, the lone all-star, although I think you can make a case that Bam Adebayo's all-star caliber talent, but he was not an all-star. So one all-star, when was the last time a championship team had only one all-star? 
I think you'd have to go back to Dirk Nowitzki and that Dallas Mavericks team. That would have been the last time. So definitely would be one of the most impressive rings. And then the the path, the path that they went, Milwaukee, Giannis Antetokounmpo, guy who was top three in MVP, the, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And you go up against the New York Knicks, who are up and coming. They were a tough out. And then Boston, if this goes six, if this goes seven, that'll go down as history as, you know, being the number one and number two seed in the postseason. That's tough. That's really tough to do. And then going up against Denver, the number one seed, if they beat them, it would be up there, top top three, as the most impressive rings in NBA history, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and and I, as, as the playoffs progressed, I, like you said, I kind of thought it would be Heat Lakers. Not like after the first round, I was really thinking it would be uh, a Heat Lakers championship, uh, and they would jump on first take, and Stephen A. would be so excited about that one. Mm-hmm. But but I, I, I don't know. Like I really, it it, it could be either one, and. And the Nuggets are a great team, and the Lakers were not good enough. I think the Celtics or the Heat could definitely beat the Nuggets, but that'll be an incredible series. Uh, and uh, and just like real quick, just to go back uh, on this little small thing, um, yeah. well, I about the Celtics and with Marcus Smart, maybe this this could also work for the Lakers. Get it moving D'Lo somewhere else is more of a score, but. A name to watch this offseason that no one is talking about at all, who will probably not an all-star caliber player, but could very well change the entire 2024 NBA season is Tyus Jones. Mm. So right now, the the price for Tyus Jones could not be higher because of Jaw's absence. So what Memphis could do and what they should do is they should probably shop Tyus Jones this year if they're not going to trade Ja. And we can really – I can totally see a Marcus Smart and a pick for Tyus Jones or like Tyus Jones and another player for that caliber type of player. And if Tyus Jones is on one of these teams that maybe could use a little bit better of a point guard, that they're very, very scary. That's not so, bad at all, Sam. Yeah, I, I like that idea of Tyus Jones, who I, I've always liked. Um, Trey Jones, that, the whole Jones family of point guards, they were always super tough, even going back to their college days. And now Tyus Jones, he can start on a lot of teams. He's a bench guy because John Moran's that dude, but make, like real hoopers know like he is really tough. Just like fundamentally sound. He can get to his spots. He has the floater game. He has the mid-range. He has everything that you would want as a starting point guard in this league. So, for Marcus Smart, I I I take that, I I take that definitely. If we we're just reshaping the whole roster and we need someone else, he can also play defense. He's not a slouch. He's not a slouch defensively, and he gives you way more playmaking. I think he's a old school point guard. Tyus Jones is so that's not a bad take at all, Sam. I I think you have a future in this business, man. <laughs> I, I hope, dude. I mean, who knows? Maybe we keep doing these podcasts. You keep doing your thing. I'll keep doing my thing and. Uh, the crowds can pass. Deep have some great talks, great discussions, and clearly, I think. I mean, I think we both know basketball, and and we'll have some good, some good taste in that. Yes, sir. One more thing before we hop off. LeBron 
after losing, being swept, he brought up the fact that he might consider retirement. Now, it's been 20 years. It, it would have been an amazing, all-time great, top five, goat, wherever you want to put him, type of career. So, quickly, what do you think? Do you think that he's actually going to retire come this offseason? Or do you think he might stay one more season, try to play with Bronny, and then leave? So, I, I, I can totally – so, I, I love LeBron. Like, I think LeBron's the goat. He's been overall my favorite player in my entire life uh, since he was at Cleveland. Uh, but if I'm going to be completely honest, like, and this is something a lot of the LeBron haters would say as well, like, he's not the type of guy who would just retire off, off the jump. Like, he definitely wants a farewell to her. I can totally see that. Mm. And I – the stuff about Brownie is legit. Like you would want to play with them, but what I what I can see LeBron doing is kind of similar to that D Wade thing. Like he's such a big figure in the media and in the NBA, and there's just so much controversy surrounding his whole career that he does not want to have a year of of like 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 Kobe's last year shooting such a low percentage, not being super productive and not on a winning team. So I can see more of like a D-Wade type of retirement where D-Wade was averaging, he was, a, I think he averaged 20.3 points per game or 20, around 21 points per game the year before he retired. So I guess I, I'll give LeBron, I'll give LeBron two more years uh, of playing at like that all-star, of that all-star level maybe next year, and then that second year he might go out as like a 15, 15, 8 and 8 guy, but can really still help the team win. So, we'll, we'll also see if he can manipulate the league into him and Brown and getting on the same team. I don't know how that would work. Uh, it's very hard to just orchestrate a rookie playing with a vet. So, that's 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 my those are some of my biggest concerns and some of my biggest uh how about you where where do you say how do you, how would you say the season impacted his legacy what do you think is there anything more he can accomplish any more minds he can change uh in the goat conversation what what are your thoughts um this season just obviously all-time leading scorer and points he accomplished that um, all the all-star games, all the all-NBA teams. There's not really much you can do in a conversation as, in terms of GOAT because I think the Michael Jordan fans are always going to say 6-0. and You can't top that. But you want to say he's number two all-time, his accolades, his performances, his Cleveland 3-1 comeback. Um, yeah. just anything you want to name, he's done in this league. Except the dunk contest, which kind of sucks that we missed out on LeBron doing dunk contest. That would have been fire. But I don't think this really impacts his legacy at all, getting swept. People might talk about it, but 20 years from now, who's really going to remember that? He he made the West Conference Finals with a team that started off 2-10. and 10. That's really going to be the narrative. The narrative that despite the team being god-awful, he willed his team at age 39 to the Western Conference Finals to potentially play against the ultimate champion if Denver wins this series. And just in terms of last thing with Bronny, um, LeBron, the genius that he is, he has one more year on his contract for the 2023-2024 season. So 
when Bronny's eligible to be drafted, LeBron will be a free agent. So once that draft comes up, Bronny goes top 15, wherever he ends up going. LeBron can just say, all right, I'm going to name a city, Toronto. If, if Bronny gets drafted by Toronto, wherever Bronny gets drafted, that I believe is where LeBron will end his career. But unfortunately, we have to end today. So Sam, thank you so much yeah. for joining us. We will have you on if Miami ends up going to the finals. I think we'll have you back on real shortly. Oh, yeah. But Sam, <laughs> thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, peace, peace brother. Thank thanks. you. Great talking hoops with you as always. Of course. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of the From Downtown podcast. If you guys liked it, if you guys enjoyed it, all of the above, please make sure to rate five stars so you can boost us up on the algorithm for more people to see our content, to hear what we're talking about here in the From Downtown podcast. I think it's pretty great stuff. I enjoyed having Sam on talk about his Miami Heat. And to be quite honest with you, I want to reiterate that last point. LeBron, man, I think Sam was on point talking about he wants a retirement tour why wouldn't he one of the greatest players of all time you don't you don't see that player that type of player that caliber of guy too often and we see all the guys doing retirement tours kobe did it Dwayne wade did it dirk Nowitzki did it if i'm not mistaken so all these great players all had the type of retirement tours lebron obviously deserving of one cleveland will be a, a just amazing atmosphere when that time comes he has one more season honestly Two to three more, I think, at all-star level. He's just that good, takes that well care of his body to the point where I, I could easily see him playing three more years, play with Bronny, maybe try and chase one more championship, not as that top dude, but top two or three guy, which has sort of been the case when you talk about what the Lakers have wanted to do, Anthony Davis sort of surpassing LeBron. I don't think that's happening, but that's the goal. That's what the goal has always been. For Rob Palenka and the Los Angeles Lakers. For LeBron to age gracefully out of the league. But when you talk about the second best player. Some arguably the first best player of all time. It's going to be hard to eclipse him. Even in this twilight of his career. But that's all for today guys. Again thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time. Take care.